and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Today, I have a guest here who has a wide range of expertise. She worked as a freelance software developer. Then she rose to various engineering leadership positions, all the while volunteering her time to conferences and nonprofits, if I'm not mistaken, like Django Girls. Today, I am pleased to welcome Ola Shitarska, who is now an engineering lead at Onfido. Welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today. Please tell us a bit about you. So I started my career in tech when I was about 12 and I got really into like weird teenage online games. Um, But for the last five years, I've been building technology teams um, here in London um, as a tech lead and engineering lead and VP of engineering. Outside of work, I mostly um, think about things like dogs and video games and books, um, but I also really care about things like equality and supporting careers of people who are under underrepresented in tech. Hence my like interest in nonprofits and, and organizations like Django Girls. Nice. And it's a nice tie into today's topic because um, it was inspired by a talk you gave at um, the Lead Developer Conference in London last year. We found this talk and thought it was a really good one. And so let's talk about inclusive hiring processes, because I noticed that you're into processes and making real life go into these columns and streams and flows that we can work with. So... um, how do you define the difference between um, diversity and inclusivity if there is one? Let's start there. Cool, that's a very good question. So when I think about diversity, it's mostly about thinking about how we can get as many different people who have different backgrounds, different um, genders, different viewpoints and perspective into one room in order to make sure that any decision you're making or whether you're building a product or organizing an event or running a company that you involve as many different people as possible and their viewpoints into any decision making. Because I guess the belief is that the higher number of different viewpoints you have, the product you're building or the decision you're making is going to be as accessible to as many different people as possible. So eventually it's going to make you more money, make your project more successful, make bigger impact on a bigger population of, of people. So when you think about from that perspective, that's how I see diversity. That isn't necessarily inclusion, though. I think inclusion is basically how you get to that point. I don't think you can achieve like a long-term sustainable diversity within any group of people without inclusion. And inclusion is mostly just like, I think, as you mentioned, like a set of actions and processes and systems that make that possible. Um, So it would be making sure that everyone's experience is equal and every viewpoint is seen as equally as important um, in order to make sure that everyone feels heard and feels accepted and feels like they belong in a group of people. Yes, that's how I would think about this. Uh, I think the best description of, of this I've seen on the internet is 
So I think the idea that diversity is just being like invited into a meeting, uh, but inclusion is actually having any power over in that meeting or having, you know, being a part of that meeting. Ah, that's a nice one to wrap your head around it with. Thank you for, for being so thorough with that, with that answer. I have a feeling that some of our listeners might be thinking, why is there such, you know, like a big highlight on the entire topic of, you know, being inclusive or having a diverse work workforce? And you hit some of the bottom line with more perspectives, you're more likely to make more money. But we are in the tech industry. How come mm-hmm. it's not enough to just hire the best candidates? Awesome. So um, I think you absolutely always want to hire the best people. Like when you think about running a business, you always want to hire whoever is best. But I think where like diversity and inclusion comes in with this stuff is that you want to broaden the pool of people who you're going to apply because you can only ever hire the best from the people that apply. If you your group of people who are going to apply is limited then your ability to hire the best is quite limited as well, right? Because you can only choose from the people who put your CV down. And if they didn't, then that's who you get. So I think you always want to work towards broadening that pool of like exceptional people who maybe uh, have not gone through like a tra- traditional path in order to get to the place in their career that they did. Like, I think my, my story is an example of that. Like I've never studied computer science, but I've been programming since I was 12 and I've been in the industry for a while and, and worked different jobs and and I think broadening your perspective on who you want to hire and who you actually need in your in your team I think is going to get to that best that maybe otherwise would have been missed through your candidate pool. Mm-hmm. Thank you sounds like you kind of have to think about the bigger picture uh, mm-hmm. before the candidates ever get to your table you need to make yourself attractive to all the candidates let's talk about specifics what makes a hiring process inclusive i've talked a lot about this in my talk um that was in london last year when you think about processes you have to i guess you kind of think about this from like the beginning to the end with hiring processes is it's always easy to think about this as a funnel like you initially start with a big group of people and then each stage is a bit smaller until you get to someone you actually make an offer and hire I think when you when you talk about inclusive hiring processes, those are the processes that highlight the best candidates uh, across the entire population, not just whoever those those to apply. So you have to think about how to first bring that diverse group of people into your pipeline, but then how to make sure that your process is fair and objective so that everyone has an equal chance within it, no matter what their background uh, before was. So I think the big thing that you usually think about is bias and how you ensure that when you make those decisions, you make those decisions based on the information you have and how you gather that from that person who's mm-hmm. interviewing with you, rather than on like your perceptions of what a good engineer looks like mm-hmm. or what a good CV looks like and those kind of things. Can you give us an example of something that we can take away from being more yeah. inclusive or paying more attention to our own bias? Yeah. An example that I usually um, give, because it's a really easy one, is most job ads that you're going to find on the internet are going to acquire six years of experience in this language and seven years of experience programming in this language. But that actually has very little to do with what people are going to be doing within your team, right? Eventually, you're hiring people to build a product and build a team and uh, make an impact on your um, customers. And whether someone has programmed for three years or four years is not really going to make a huge difference on 
that outcome uh, because some people might have been um, only working professionally for three years, but actually coding for 10 years. Some people might have been coding for two years, but actually spending loads of their evenings doing coding as well. So their actual skills that are going to be applying at your job is going to be much higher. Than... So looking for those signals that are in our minds that like, no, if someone has only programmed for two years, they cannot be that good. And actually looking for like measuring their skills and, and being very objective about what they can bring rather than what, what it looks like on paper and what it looks like when they speak to you. I think that's the, the important part there. Mm-hmm. To me, it sounds like you kind of have to increase your openness to like look beyond what you see. Yeah. And also look for people who are maybe not necessarily like you, right? I think people tend to look for people who look like them and who work like them and who have maybe similar stories to them. So I think being open to different people having different approaches to how they learn and how they grow and how they advance, I think is important there. So I guess... There's a lot to like learn when it comes to biases. I think like there is there's a lot of literature out there and you can kind of just go in and and look at all of those things. And I think once you have it in mind, you're going to become a lot more careful about seeing them in places, because I think once you're aware of them, that's where you start noticing them everywhere. Mm-hmm. And maybe a lot more perceptive of your own biases. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if we are to make our hiring process more inclusive, what are some of the constraints that we have to prepare for? What are some of the possible obstacles that we have to overcome within our team or group of um, hiring managers? The obvious one is that you probably will have to put in a little bit more work than you would expect. I think that's probably the biggest obstacle that you'll ever see. Sometimes, I guess, leadership at some organizations doesn't fully buy into the idea that diverse teams lead to better results. And that could be an obstacle of building that. I would try to combat that with things like that this process is actually going to make any outcome better. Maybe this is not just about diversity and inclusion. It's just going to make your process better as a whole. So when I think about creating those kind of processes, I usually start with like, what's your outcome? What are you trying to achieve? So if you're trying to fill a software and engineer role, what are you going to be doing? What kind of things they need to bring to the table? What? You know, what's their day to day is going to be like and how when you imagine them being here for six months, what that success looks like. So starting with that is a really good point to like rather than focusing on those things like three years of experience and great communication skills and those kind of things, thinking about how does that person being successful here looks like? Um, because that that kind of focuses you on very different things and different way of thinking about that. So I usually start with that and just kind of describing that quite literally on like, if that person is successful here in six, in six months, they have built this new billing system and it's now live um, to all of our um, production traffic, those kind of things. Because that starts to reflect, those are the outcomes they're going to achieve. And I guess after that, you start looking at how are you going to find out from the interview process that they are likely to be successful and go from there. Mm-hmm. So you don't just have to look beyond the applicant's CV, you also have to look beyond your expectations of uh, a successful yeah, candidate. from what you see from others, right? So you look at all of the, you know, how does people in London who are hiring for a similar startup to us hire a software engineer? But you actually want to think about your, your own expectations for this person and what you want them to do on a, on a day-to-day basis and kind of design that job out for that. Mm-hmm. I have to like go back and ask you about you mentioned maybe some people don't 
buy into diversity all that much. Um, mm-hmm. You have worked at uh, at a few places, and without mm-hmm. mentioning any names or anything like that, I just wonder: Have you ever had to kind of convince someone in a leadership position to invest more in inclusivity and diversity? And if so, how did you do that? Yeah, so that happens. I think previously in my career, I would be a lot more forceful about it or a lot more like angry about it when I had to do that convincing because I guess at the bottom of my heart, that just feels a little bit unfair, right? I think demanding something like let's treat everyone equally just feels a little bit silly in 2020. So I think that journey just makes me a little bit angry um, <laughs> doing that kind of convincing. My, my usual way of doing this is trying to put that with data. There is a ton of research these days that kind of proves how important diversity is. I think if you cannot go with like the common decency argument, the, the usual pushback is like, well, but I don't have any bias and I treat everyone equally and I, and I believe that women are just as good as men. Uh, like that's the usual, like because everyone everyone is a good, feels like they're a good person, right? And and that's what they believe in the bottom of, our, of your heart. So that argument is usually a pretty difficult one. But then I guess what you really want is someone to take some actions, right? To grant and saying like, yes, I believe in this or yes, but I'm not discriminating. You want them to like, it's not enough to not to discriminate. You actually want to do something about this to like make the situation better because eventually that's going to lead to like better business results for you. And also just makes the world a little better place in my opinion. Right. Um, so I usually try to go data and research and with like proof that diversity leads to better outcomes. And there is plenty of that these days. Yeah, thank you. To our listeners, go ahead and check it out on Google. But back to our imagined hiring process. What are the telltale signs that you are right up there with the best ones and you are inclusive and diverse in your hiring processes? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the biggest one will be that your team is diverse, right? And when you think about that, you can you can measure this in multiple ways. You can look at how your team is behaving on a daily basis. You can see just general statistics about gender, racial, sexuality, and those kind of things within your team and see how representative your team is. That's a usually good sign. If you're still at the beginning of it, I think looking at the statistics alongside your hiring pipeline. So whether your initial pool of candidates represents the industry you're hiring in, you can probably fairly easily look at like your original statistics about how many software engineers within your country are male or female. And even starting there is a good representative of like, is my content pool actually represents the population that is surrounding, uh, like is actually applicable for my pipeline, right? So comparing that is a really good step. And I think you always want to be at least at the level where the industry in your region is, if not better. Mm-hmm. And then you can easily start measuring the drop off at each of the stages. So you can look at how many um, candidates kind of, kind of, who are diverse went through this stage of the interview versus didn't. Um, and this is like a first step where you can start measuring things and knowing whether you're doing well or not. Other things that maybe are a bit less measurable is things like whether diverse candidates or employees recommend you to their friends. I think. When someone looks for jobs and cares about diversity as uh, as a topic, um, I would always look for places that my friends believe are great, because I think you only ever find out what are places 
actually supportive and and does something about those things once you're actually in there. So having friends shouting about you being a great place to work is usually a good sign. Yeah, that, that's probably what I would think. Um, candidate feedback is also a good place to start to, to know whether you're doing something wrong. Always asking every candidate how their experience was and what you could do better to help them sell themselves. Sounds good. So it sounds like it's data and then feedback and uh, more data and making it meaningful feedback to yourself. So let's go on the other side of this question and talk about how you can see if you are failing to make your hiring process inclusive. Yeah, I think it will be a little bit of like, I guess, maybe a bit of an opposite question of the previous one. I think the things that I would look for is you only ever get applicants from um, white male um, straight people. And that's like all of your pipeline is just that. That will be the, the first and very, and it's usually the most in your face sign as well that companies get and hiring managers get. I think when you see that, it's pretty obvious that that is not, just not doing the job. I'll focus on that one. So if this is the case um, mm-hmm. at a company, what would be some of your first steps? What would you advise us to do if this is the case? Yeah, so the first thing you could do is look at your, even like the simplest thing is just look at your job ad. So whatever you, you say the description of your role is, is this written in a way that actually includes everyone or just a certain type of people? Um, there's loads of data about like how some of the job ads are incredibly exclusive, even through things like we acquire a degree from those universities or we acquire, I think, think I've mentioned the most here is like eight years of experience in that. There's a, a lots of data about how men apply for jobs if they meet less than half of the criteria listed on a job ad versus women only apply if they meet all of them. Right. Yeah, it's it's at least at least more than 80 or something like that for women. Yeah, so, yeah. it's so. pretty crazy, crazy difference in terms of like what, what it takes for a woman to apply for a job and feel like she deserves that job versus what it takes for a man to apply for the same job. So I think that's the first place to start is like actually writing. So the way I usually go of like writing job descriptions, I usually talk about when you join here, you're going to be doing those things. And in a lot of ways, that allows people like, self-select into this they can say like yeah i know how to do this so i'm gonna go and, and do those things versus like having the whatever criteria you're gonna choose as something you need right because at the end of the, the, the day you want that, those people to do that job and you don't really care about their past experience right they could have been working at circus for five years for all you know but as long as they can do the job <laughs> that you need them to do that's that's why it matters right 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 thank you and um Actually, what you just said really made me think of um, this um, this workshop that I I've gone through. It's under the umbrella of Google. It's it's called I Am Remarkable, where it's just like independent workshop facilitators help everyone see more of this like inclusive mindset. And this is where I think in this workshop it's always mentioned that. Uh, women are a lot less likely to apply to the same positions, even if they've had similar experiences as their male counterparts, because they just feel like they have to be 100% on point. Yeah, if not more, right? And I think that goes for like 
hiring as well as like applying internally internally for promotions or stretch projects or stuff like that that goes through everything not just hiring right right so um if we are at that point already then um why wouldn't we talk about um setting up your candidates for success when you hire the diverse candidates that you have aimed for how do you help them actually achieve their their best yeah so when i think about this i usually try to kind of think about my own experience and like when i apply for a job what makes my experience great and i think for me the two important things is like feeling like this is a two-way street so i'm not just being interviewed but also like have an opportunity to get to know the company get to know the people with that company because it's my decision as well at the end of the day i may get multiple offers especially of how competitive the market is right so i want to have be in a place where i can really understand what i'm getting into that's the first thing the other thing is around just kind of elim- trying to eliminate some of the stress surrounding hiring and, and interviews um i think when you're a hiring manager the outcome you want to achieve is having someone really great in this job that you have. So if you optimize for that, you don't really want to put people like through a lot of stress. You, you want to find the best people regardless of whether they can interview well or whether they handle the interview stress or, uh, well or not, right? Like likelihood in your job, they're not actually going to be going through lots of interviews while working for you. So this is not really a skill that you're testing for, right? You don't really care how well they interview. You want to know how well they're going to do the job. So you want to optimize for like reducing that stress. For me, that's usually being really like setting clear expectations about what the process is going to be like, what success looks like, not hiding information, but actually letting people, if you know, preparing helps people as uh, their nurse a little bit, uh, giving them enough information or context about what the interview is going to be like, who are they going to interview with, what we are hoping to achieve out of this interview. So they can actually think about this and, and get in the right mindset and, and I guess succeed at the end of the day, right? And show their best self um, in that interview. So I usually try to let candidates be as prepared as they can be and also treat them well throughout the process, like give them useful feedback at every stage and that they can, you know, take away into the next interview with you or with someone else, kind of respect their time as well. Don't make them go through like puzzles and uh, whiteboard interviews that will never actually happen down the job (laughs) but for the things that you're actually looking for right so like see how they would perform if they were actually working for you and i think that's the important thing so like rather than trying to make this into this puzzle and just like almost like a game someone has to win in order to work for you make it something that's useful information for you and makes the content feels good about themselves as well as well as you know feel like they have a really great experience interviewing with you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And with that said, I feel like that would be the case for the rest of their career at your company, right? So yeah. everyone should be given clear expectations of what exactly. is expected of them, what is reasonable behavior within yeah. a company or a group or a team, and what is not. Exactly. I strongly believe in the idea that you should be measuring the people within the company um, the same way you're measuring the people you're hiring, right? Because then it doesn't lead to these awkward problems where you're hiring a senior, but they're actually nothing like the current seniors within your company. And how do you then create an idea that like it's clear for people what to expect when they're a senior engineer in your place, right? So I think setting clear expectations 
at the beginning that kind of sets you up for that person to be successful down the line. We have touched on this a little bit, but I wonder if you would mind to share a few experiences, but how do you encourage your existing team, especially if it's not yet a diverse team, but you would like it to be, to be more inclusive? Yeah, that's definitely a harder one. I think it probably starts with a few things. So at Poland, which was uh, the previous place that I was at, the, I joined there as a second engineer. And something that was really important for the CTO there was to kind of get it right from the beginning. Obviously, that's not possible for everyone, but it's so much easier to kind of start hiring um, representative team from the very beginning than trying to like then shoehorn in diversity into your team. I think having uh, representation in like diversity throughout layers of your uh, organization is really important. I think what tends to happen quite a lot is that there's a lot of women only just starting in tech. So it's really, I guess it's, it's a lot easier to hire juniors who are women, but then that creates that weird organization where all of your seniors and all of your leadership are men, all of your junior um, uh, employees are women. And then it kind of further creates this perception that women are less technical and, and less good at this, right? Because that's what you're seeing in your organization. So I think bringing that diverse representation throughout the layers of leadership rather than just all the way at the bottom is really important. Um, in order to start creating this idea that showing people like an actual evidence that having a more diverse team makes a better product. I think you only do that once you start bringing quite senior women into your team or senior diverse candidates into your team. So I think that's really important. Other than that, it's probably like training and education for people to see the benefits, know what it is, know why we are doing this, know what it's going to bring us, why it's important, making sure that they don't feel like, I guess, I think that the, the usual reaction is that people feel suddenly discriminated against because they, they start seeing that like, oh, this other person is important and they don't look like me. So they are starting to feel afraid that they're not going to get promoted within their organizations and those kind of things. So establishing an idea that everyone is going to be fairly evaluated and everyone is uh, under the same criteria, no matter their gender, race or sexuality. I think that's really important in order to make, make everyone feel a bit more at peace with this because they feel like it's a fair game for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. I think when they feel it's not fair, then that's what starts to like tick people's boxes that this is not, not for us. So I think having fair, like inclusive processes throughout your company with equal pay and fair and objective evaluation of performance and, you know, measuring how fast you promote women versus men in your company. All of that stuff is pretty important. Because I think everyone cares about fairness at the end of the day, and everyone cares about their needs being represented and their needs being important. So you have to make sure that everyone feels that, right? Right. So the whole thing is like actually going to make your organization better as a whole for whoever you are in the organization. And I think that's the, that's where you want to get to. Right. I think I think we are kind of back to a different aspect of clearing up the expectations throughout yeah. the company and clearly yeah. communicating how we are going to stay fair even yeah. if we are including new kinds of people that we yeah. perhaps haven't yeah. before because diversity is not just also like race and gender right you might imagine that i don't know in, in this certain organization people who are more shy or more quiet are 
less likely to get promoted or paid less and those kind of things. So yeah, I think once you start establishing fair and objective criteria for everyone, everyone feels like they have a more of a chance and, and this is a place that cares about them, right? Right. We have talked about a, lo a lot of things um, within the inclusive hiring process. Would you like to just leave us with a few really hands-on tips about improving or existing processes that we can take away and put to good use tomorrow? Yeah, so I guess some things like, like when you start thinking about diversity, it just seems really scary and it seems really huge and it seems like you're going to have to invest like a month of work in order to get anywhere. But I actually think there's a lot of like small things you can start tomorrow. You don't have to wait long. You don't have to convince anyone, right, to, to start with. My favorite one is probably around starting to remove bias in your how you evaluate someone's like coding the usual it's a very popular way of i guess measuring coding um skill is through sending someone like a take at home test that they have to do even doing something simple like someone who's going to be reviewing this code later not knowing who wrote that code right so like anonymizing it putting it in somewhere in a repository sending someone a link not not telling them who submitted this code that's just a the simplest way to start removing bias on that stage. Other things I like doing is when you start interviewing someone, write a list of six questions, make everyone ask those questions and write down the answers and start looking for evidence rather than like opinion about, you know, oh, this person was great. This person was not that great. No, you actually want to know what they said about their experiences building this billing system at their previous job. And that's where you want to start. So. Those are like very simple and, and easy tips that let you start removing this bias and removing these opinions and act, actually getting down to like facts and data. And I think that's that's a good way to start tomorrow. Those are really good tips. Thank you so much. And also, you mentioned this before, but I think it's important to look over your job postings and yeah. see if yeah. the, the wording is just right. So if our listeners are interested, where could they follow your work? So my work is probably most visible on Twitter, which is just Ola Stelska, my first name and last name all together. Awesome. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thanks. Dearest listeners, today our guest was Ola Stelska, engineering lead at Onfido. Uh, we talked about hiring and um, hiring in an inclusive manner and uh, touched on the, the process of um, creating it from scratch and noticing if it's not quite right yet. And we talked about improving our existing hiring processes as well. We have reached the end of this episode. Um, I appreciate the kind feedback I've gotten in recent weeks and don't shy away from being public about it, your likeness of the podcast, then you could really help us grow by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. With that said, I appreciate you staying with us today. I am Carolina Tot, and I hope to see you next time. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time. See you next time.